0: Hi everyone, I'm Lydia Laws and welcome to Lifting the Lid. Today I'm talking to Smooth of Smooth and Terrell. Hailed as the UK's greatest modern soul band with six critically acclaimed albums, they've played thousands of shows worldwide, including Glastonbury nine times, racked up millions of streams of their tracks, and stand high with tastemakers like Giles Peterson, Craig Charles, Lauren Levine, and many more. They're also proud Northerners, lads after my own heart. We recorded this last year and now they're beginning their Stratosphere album tour. So let's get stuck in. Hope you enjoy it. All right, Smooth, thanks so much for joining me on Lifting the Lid. How are you doing?
1: Hello, I'm good,
0: yeah so you guys are being hailed as one of the greatest modern soul acts to emerge from the uk which is pretty uh a pretty big claim to fame um and you're in your most successful year yet i'd love to know how you met and how you started performing together
1: um basically uh i was doing music for many years before i met john and i'd had various record deals with big life Acid jazz and things like that and different projects i was doing And I knew a lot of different musicians and singers, so I'd worked with lots of people at the time. And it was around um, 2007 when um, I'd just finished a university degree doing sculpture, and there was a girl on the course called Nicola who I met. And uh, I bumped into her a few years later, and she says, oh, you still doing music? I said, yeah, and she went, oh, well, my husband's in a um, band and he wants to record some demos. What are you charged? Like, I says, oh, all right, this is the fee. It's me your address. Time to come round on this day. So he did it and he turned up, and it was an act he was in called um, The Stevie's, and it was him and Alan, a guitarist. And I recorded their album over like a few days, and then um, I invited him to sing on one or two songs, and one thing led to another, and we ended up writing a whole album. And then the next, because of the way John wrote so quick, Like, most singers are quite, like, fussy about this or that or the lyric here or that. John just slapped it down, like, really quick, and he just wasn't bothered. In some ways, he was quite, like, sort of naive about the whole thing as well, which I quite liked. But he'd been with Alan for a few years in the garage, just getting drunk every weekend and, like, making songs up,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. like, on the spot. Yeah. So, like, and his theory was, if I can't remember it, then... You know, then it's not good enough to remember. <laughs> Is the cat attacking you? Sorry. No. So the cat was attacking you. Um, oh yeah. So to so really to summarize, um, we that's how we met was basically from recording a demo, and, uh, and and then one thing led to another.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Um, getting <laughs> so distracted by Archie.
1: He sits on the my cat sits on the corner of the street, um, and all. Uh, passes by he like stroke him. He gets popped ruined.
0: I bet. Yeah. That'd probably be me as well. I'm a bit needy when it comes to cats. Um so what was like your big break moment or like the moment you kind of knew you were on your way to the success you've got?
1: Oh you know it's it's difficult to tell. Um we had a really good team. That was the thing. Like our old manager Emma did loads of great things for us. And um there was the there was one great moment where we were doing a gig somewhere and she went oh we've been accepted i applied for this gig uh and we've been accepted like and i was like what does it mean well we'll go to france and we play trans musicales and i was like right okay and it's in front of thousands of people it's live on french tv and i was like well that sounds great and then we got that and i think that was that was the breakthrough moment where we went Wow, this is this is it. You know, we're going somewhere now. Mm-hmm. And I think also, obviously, I've got to mention Craig Charles. He he supported us from day one. Yeah. You know, when we went down, I suppose when we got asked to play the BBC, that was the the first time. That was like, wow, this is amazing. And we didn't really have a band. We sort of like we had some musicians that we knew, and we just cobbled it together. We pulled it off. Um, but that that was probably the the most definitive bit. And that was, you know, 2009 when we released Beggar Man, which is the song that Craig Charles absolutely fell in love with.
0: What did you, what were you kind of going down to do with the BBC? Were you playing on Craig's show and like interviewing and stuff? Was that, or was it something?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. um, Where you do a quick interview, you play live on the show, which is terrifying. (laughs) Um, Because some of them you do pre-record lives, you know, we've done those as well. But we've played on his show like, I can't remember how many times now, Mm -hmm. probably every album. You know, yeah, um, six times I guess, probably even more. And we've done so many shows with them live as well. Yeah, um, that's really
0: cool. Are there any other people who stand out as really significant to your success? Do you think?
1: Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, the help that Emma Nosarac did for us. Um, she ran an agency called Bite the Apple, and she did loads of great things for us. I I, I learned so much from her. Um, I booked the shows now, and um, I used to micromanage it, but and she was managing it and acting as an agent, but we were a great team together with the record Company, all the lads in the band, like, you know it was such a uh, looking back on it, it's like, wow, what, what we achieved, and and I always said, you know, if this all ended tomorrow, which ironically it almost has <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, the government can tell you to retrain, but they can't take away those memories, you know
0: Yeah, 100%
1: So, yeah, um, other people um, Giles Peterson, he's played a few of our tracks in the past which is a which is a a a great feeling i think we landed we're on a flight and we landed and obviously we got a phone signal and uh it just lit up the phone said giles peterson is playing your song and it was like wow
0: amazing just
1: unbelievable you know it's like stuff that you dream of
0: yeah definitely
1: um you know that there is so many good supporters like um uh What's he called? Oh, L- Lauren Laverne has just recently made our track, track of the day on Six Music. we got album of the day on Six Music as well. Um, and yeah, there's there's loads, loads of people on uh, Six Music. Loads of presenters have been supporting us in various ways. Um, I can't even remember half of the names now. <laughs> but yeah, like, we're, we're actually what happened was um, the last time that we released this album, we... Try and go up for the playlist as you do, and it costs money, and it's you know it's always a gamble, but you sometimes you've got to do it. And unfortunately, we didn't get any any, any playlist on this one, and it was like right, okay, that's the way it is, okay. But as it turned out, we ended up getting more spot players and more um, reaction and more sort of you know the album of the day and Lawrence pick and than we would have got if we were on the playlist. So
0: <laughs> that's really good. We couldn't ask for more, you know. Yeah, what I mean? exactly um how did the band actually come together are there any kind of funny stories behind how you formed
1: mike porter who's our like sort of man in the middle he's the monkey of the band he's sort of like he plays the keyboards he's like really like his stage antics are fantastic so he'd been with me from very early on like you know late 90s playing on um some remix work i did for dynamo productions and uh he played on my first album, Dead Men's Shirts, my solo stuff I did with Asa Jazz. So I already knew him anyway. He was a great Hammond player and he played Moog live in the nightclubs with me. So he was roped in from the beginning. In fact, we never actually really asked him in. Uh he was always just there, yeah. <laughs> just turned up at every gig. So we, we can never get rid of Mike Porter. You yeah, he's just uh and and I and ironically it's only quite recently that we realized how important and how integral Mike is. He's a great friend, but it's like people come to the gig just to watch Mike. You know, never mind the you know the fact that John's voice is stunning. Like people are watching Mike and videoing him, and it's like I love that. It's like you know you you know when you go and see a band and they're just singing and playing, that's great. But if there's something else going on, you know, that's that's that extra thing, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, oh,
1: oh, also, there's been a lot of um, you know members who've come and gone, come and gone over the years, you know various guitar players and bass players. We also have loads of depths in case someone's sick or someone can't do that gig. So there's there's like so many musicians in the past. But the lineup at the minute, we've got Neil Harland on bass and we've got Lloyd Wright on guitar. And also we've got Oscar Cassidy, who plays drums. Now, he left years ago, but he's back in now. Uh, But he used to be in a band that I was in where I used to rap called Rubberneck. So I've known Ozzy since he was nineteen, oh, um, nice. which is crazy. That's really cool. But I still look at Ozzy like he's nineteen, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like the super intelligent one in the band. So yeah, it's quite organic the way that we've all kind of, you know, fell into this band, and and we're all really good friends now. And it's like you know, that's the that's the important thing when you're in a van for hours and hours and hours on end. Mm-hmm. It's not really about how good they play their instrument. It's how well you get on with each other. You know, it's like it, it's family at the end of the day
0: yeah I think you can like you can feel that when you see you on stage do you know what I mean like you can sense that kind of like that family aspect which is really nice and I think so important Um, are there any kind of pre-gig rituals you have or you know when you're travelling and stuff whether it's as a a group or just you yourself
1: basically try not to drink too much before you go on stage you know um, I I would try and set an example of like drink coffee but no one took a blind bit of notice (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean some of the members in the band have really calmed down now um i'll not mention any names but you know there's other members in the band who don't drink at all yeah um but neil i'll share a room with neil and he's like one of these jazz heads where they don't drink at the gig you know at all but after the gig he's like wild he's he's like Mm -hmm. you know you can't stop him. yeah so and, and that's that that's kind of the way to do it is to party after the gig obviously you've got a Keep yourself right for the next day when you've got another gig. That, that's the thing, but you know we've never had an issue with Neil or anybody. John lost his voice a couple of times from staying up too late and talking. You know, talking so too. he's 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 learned from his own mistakes. You know, and he, but he's he's miles better now. But I think as you get older, you kind of have to calm it down anyway. You know. Yeah, exactly. But Mike Potter is the rave machine. He's, he, you know, will be will be sick going down for breakfast in the hotel and the lift and Mike's just coming in, do you know what I mean, at nine o'clock in the morning. And, it, you know, I'm like, Mike, I've paid for a room for you and it hasn't even been slept in.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, in the future, I'm just not going to get you a room. Yeah,
0: exactly. You can just pop <laughs> the bar up all night. Uh, <laughs> Are there any kind of, like, standout, like, crazy or funny stories that you can actually share with us from when you're on the road?
1: Oh, my God. Um, there's just so many. There's too many. Like, if, if all the lads were here, they could all pull up a story that you forgot like Mm -hmm. just insane I mean the the time I mean it was horrific but it looking back it's funny but like we have done Glastonbury at least nine times right and uh, I think not the last time we did it the time before that the band broke up it was that bad they drank all the way down in the bus it's a long way down to Glastonbury from Newcastle and um, they drank all the way down from like I think it was six o'clock in the morning the idea was to get there and pitch up and sleep so they just thought well we'll have a drink on the way down have some fun and then we'll be writing rain for the gig tomorrow that didn't happen because we got there and the mud was so bad the van got stuck and um, we, the, there was nowhere to pitch our tents it was pitch black everyone was mortal drunk and it was it was just a write-off. Everyone was screaming and shouting at each other and oh God. um some people went to hotels, some people went off that way, some people fell into mud that way, and that was it. It was like, oh the band had broke up, the, the whole project's over, I just need to go to sleep. <clears throat> and then I woke up and slowly but surely everyone humbly sort of regrouped. <laughs> and we sort of actually reformed on stage. It was Yeah, really? we started smiling at each other. <laughs> and then I think John told the story on stage and everyone just started laughing going you know what like this is rock and roll this is as is it gets so good <laughs> so yeah but that's just one little story
0: I love it um tell it like tell me about a kind of typical studio day when you're recording an album like
1: it's it's really different now because initially back in the day it was just me and John sort of sparking the ideas through samples because my background is hip-hop so I would sample music and chop it up and, you know, we'd sort of force things that way. And then we'd probably get Mike round to lay some chords or replay bits and have his bit. And then it, it progressed more and more where the musicians were coming around and starting to write rather than, you know, from scratch and their own ideas. And that's how we are right now. Everyone chips in. The album Stratus Blue is all written from a total collective. It's probably equal amounts, actually. And uh, and that's great because it's important that you need that to keep everyone interested in the project, yeah. not just have them as musicians on the road with you. So it's great. And also it evolves your sound, you know, it's like you can't keep writing the same way and the same sound, you know. So obviously we were sort of trip hop funk, known as soul band primarily. John's voice is the soul, but it's progressed, you know, to like more electronica yeah. and things like that. We've always dabbled in electronica. It's just we took the handbrake off this time. It's kind of like, if I just take the last example, we've started writing some new music. Um, Mike, um, I would send some sounds, like I'd hear something in a record and I'd go, really like the sound of this. I'd send it to Mike or Lloyd and um, or whoever. And then they'd come back with something that was similar but not. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like stealing or anything like that. It might just be a sound of the keyboard that we like. And Mike's really good at sort of finding sounds like that. So then he'll send a really rough idea across and then I'll just hack that apart and then work on it and play it to John. And he'll go, wow, I like that bit there, but get rid of that bit all. And it progresses really quick. And John will sometimes be so inspired by what he's heard, he'll just write right on the spot and lay it down. So there is no structured way. It's just, it's up in the air. But we've got our way, I suppose, however you want to describe that. Um, and, And I think it's important to, to sort of allow for those mistakes and also allow other people in to sort of like, you know, be involved and change the direction of, of what you would normally do. Um, there was a song recently I, I heard from the Doves and I was really impressed by it. And I, I've never really listened to the Doves and I know that sounds crazy. And I said to the band, "Have you heard the doves They're Like, "Yeah, yeah, I've been at the Doves for years." But, like, "Oh, yeah, 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 you know." Just, just, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, you're so late!" And I was like, "Sorry, I was listening to so much other music." Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just took a leaf from that and, like, you know, let's write something like that. And uh, and we have it sounds nothing like the Doves, <laughs> but it, that, that's just the point of like somebody once said to me, um, "If you're ever stuck for inspiration, um, listen to." to music that you would never normally listen to you might not like it but you'll hear something else that you would like it could be like it could be even a structure thing you know you could go wow it's interesting the way the bass just fell out there why have you done that you know like just you could listen to heavy metal if you don't listen to heavy metal and hear things going that's really interesting the way they've produced that that you can take elements and and put it into your music and no one would ever know you know Mm -hmm. that's the thing Just just keeping an open mind, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you kind of start to do an album, is there a certain kind of pressure? Because obviously you've done, you've achieved so much success, and the albums have done so well, and especially this last one. But you know, every time you must start an album, it must be like, oh my god, like we need to do, but like we need to do better than last time. But we also need to do something different. But we also really struck a chord with people with the sound last time. So, so it's getting that balance. I can imagine between like.
1: It is tricky because you've got you well if you're lucky and you've got a fan base like we have, then you've you've kind of got to like not play it to them but you've got to be aware of them, that what they fell in love with, that you don't want to spoil that. But I think after we've done this album, what we've discovered is it's John's voice that they're in love with. I think the music is so secondary. Obviously, I think I think having something upbeat and you know catchy as they would say, it's catchy, you can dance to it. Mm-hmm. That is that. That is important. But we also have the other side where we, we go really sort of melancholic and sort of downbeat and sort of moody, which I love that other side of John. We always have that in the albums. And it, it, interestingly, me and John, after we did the radio the other day, we had a few shandies and we were like sitting there. And I said, look, where did we go wrong on this album? Let's just quickly flick back. Cause we don't sit and listen to our own music. You know what I mean? Very rare. So we quickly just dropped the needle through some of the albums and listened, went, oh yeah, we could have done that one better, could have done that one, but you know, you just have to move on. I thought, oh, that's a good one, that's a good one. Yeah, that that wasn't so good. And it went, you know what, it's, I know because it's our re- most recent piece, the new album, Stratus Blur, you're going to be much more into that. But it definitely is a much more powerful album than, than what we've done. I really like our first two albums. I think there's something about those. That's just my personal thing and then i think what we've done with this new album is so different but it's great because it's so refreshing that it makes me now think i can't wait to write the new album because yeah. it's going to be more of what we've done but another progression but not too far away mm. um so and because we've just started we've actually two tracks in already wow we know we know where it's going and it feels really exciting
0: that's really cool i can imagine yeah having the whole band pitching in as well means that it keeps things creative and and changing and you're kind of all challenging each other a little bit with sound and stuff like that
1: it's not just that as well it's the the current situation we're under where we're all going back into lockdown and it's great that we've got the internet where we can share files and let people loose on things and they send loads of stuff backwards and forwards and you know um it's fantastic it, that that we can write that way because yeah. having that technology, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think Lockdown has inspired a lot of musicians. I think a lot of really good music has come out of it. Just yeah. something positive. That I mean,
1: take. the thing you've got to be careful of is um, John's great with lyrics because he's never, he's it, quite subjective. You can read into it how you want. It's never It's never that virtual, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but I think you've got to be careful that the next three years of music you're going to hear is COVID, COVID, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Every chorus is going to be COVID this, COVID that. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, completely. <laughs> I feel the same in my job, like, doing, like, as a publicist, like, so many interviews are like, how are you coping through the COVID crisis? How, yeah. What are you doing to keep yourself creative through COVID? And it's like, I really want there to be a new dialogue. It's kind
1: of, the, like, the next time, I want to scream the next time you hear unprecedented or oh, face, yeah. face, mask, you know, like, it's just... <laughs> Yeah. just stop saying it i i know we don't need reminding anymore everybody knows the yeah, rules well they living don't it. really know the rules cuz no. even the people that make the rules don't know what they are but it's it's so tedious now that yeah it's it's you know what it's worse than brexit and that was bad but yeah. how well, just went that, that went on and on and on and it's still going on do you know it's what still I mean?
0: going on it's going to it's just going to get worse to be fair the brexit
1: i wonder was. what's going to, you know like we all thought nothing can be as bad as brexit and then this came along Hopefully something else will come along that will make us forget COVID.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure how bad that would have to be and make us all forget, but yeah. I think, um, I mean, obviously I I find this like really personally quite harrowing, like seeing from the, just to talk COVID quickly, Yeah, yeah, um, the way that the government have treated the arts and like live events and music and stuff has just been like shocking to see. And obviously not hugely surprising, but just really depressing. You know, how how have you kind of seen all this it's, and how has it affected you?
1: It's incredibly bad. I mean, we are from the north, so obviously that north south divide has just been amplified a million times. You yeah, can, everyone in the country now, even p- people down south, can go, God, there really is a north south divide. Yeah, you know, people that didn't know there was one, it's just and it that's the only positive thing that's come out of it is that it shows, you know, like, um, money, you know, like workforce like where you belong you know totally pecking order but yeah it's it's been really tough but then, and, and it's been handled so bad um it that the, they are gonna go down in history is is just you know you'll never forget it you know what i mean
0: i think there's a lot of anger a lot of people have a lot of anger around the situation
1: it's not just it's not just jobs it's people's actual lives you know it's like yeah. you know It's feeding their kids. It's, it's, it's so much more. There's, there's so much more involved that, you know, I mean, it, it isn't affecting us. We're lucky our kids um, are okay. Our wives are teachers, but it, it, you know, you still know it's out there, you know, just because you don't see it, you know.
0: And you see it happening to your friends as well though, like, yeah. you know, cl- like clubs or bars you've played in and, a- and event spaces and all the people behind the scenes, you know.
1: And it's taken football players to make people realise that, mm-hmm. which is great what he's done. But Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing for the government. It really is.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. We could actually just go off and have a separate whole podcast about um, uh, politics, but let's move on. Um one, a, a kind of key question I wanted to ask, obviously when your passion and your career are like the same thing, it can be very tough and very intense. I think music's quite a tough industry as well. Were there kind of any pitfalls in your journey, whether it's with the band or you yourself and like your solo stuff, where you kind of had like really big doubts or you thought you might not make it?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think even from day one, because I was quite um already involved in the music scene before I met John and we started to move into rel. I I never sort of thought, you know, oh, this is not worth it. Because the way I sort of looked at it is like most musicians should do this anyway, is you have to spin plates, you have to like run your own label, you have to DJ, you have to like do artwork, you have to do as much things as you can. Even though you can work with a team and who will also assist you with those things, you have to sort of take control of as many things as you can so you don't put literally it's that thing of putting all your eggs into one basket you know what I mean but there was a point where we got like I suppose seven years into some moving to L and things were getting uh, bad you know there was some conflict in the band and some members who didn't really want to be there anymore and it was all getting a bit oh this is this is tiring now I don't know if I want to do this anymore because it's become a pain and it should be fun and it was like I, you know, I couldn't sleep. I was worrying about things, and I, you know, I was like, oh. and in the end, like it, 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 all happened so quick. But the manager went, another member went, another member went, all in the same time, and it was like, oh, this is this is dying, this is crashing, and then Mike rang us up and goes, what's going on? Then I went, look, I think it's out of time. He went, no, 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 and I went, look, maybe these are the signs. It's 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 out of day, and that's it. And he went, no, you can't end it. I went, well, maybe he's not. Maybe I'm just having a dark day, as you do. And then I woke up, you know, I'm a firm believer in sort of like, let's sleep on it. I love that that way of thinking because you do wake up with a clear mind and you go, I know what to do today. I'm going to continue this journey. And um, I rang John, I says, we need a manager, we need an agent. And him and his wife looked online, did loads of research. And we basically, between the three of us, we came up with nothing. They, we realized that the agents and the managers were um, they were just different worlds apart. They were like, you know, you had to have three hundred thousand followers. You had to be a superstar or already. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we we were successful in in what we do, but it still wasn't enough. There's a, such a big gap between these two worlds, and the agents that were would take us on were smaller than what we were doing. So we were asking these agents and they were like, well, you're already flying. We'd love to be where you are. And I was like, we're caught between a you know, a hard place Hey, It was like, well, yeah. what do we do? And I went, you know what? I've already done some agent stuff. I've already booked some stuff for us. I'll just step it up a little bit and try and get us a few gigs for the tour that we need to do. So I did that. And then all of a sudden, like it was must've been a few months later, the band and the van were going like, you've smashed it, it's amazing. And I was kind of like, you know, they were like kind of partners on the back in a subtle way. I was like, you know what, that is quite encouraging. That that's quite cool. Maybe I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And and here we are. Like it's probably like three years mm. down the line now that I've continued to do it, and I don't find it that hard. Like it does take some time out your day and that, and you've got to make decisions and but. I, it's not. It's much simpler because I don't have to ring around everyone and make sure that everyone's okay with everything before I book the hotel or before I do this or I could just crack on and nobody complains.
0: Mm, that's really good. And
1: we've got a system now as well. It's like everyone sort of has a level what they expect, like what the hotel should be like. It's not the best. It's not the worst. And we hire this really nice van. Um, he He's a guy that we've worked with called Ban Van Man for years. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been mad, but, um, that's, that's where we're at now. It's, it's just, and we're just going to keep continuing that. Um,
0: Yeah. At least you can use this time, like you said, to be writing the new music and that sort of thing. And hopefully everyone can come back stronger next year.
1: And you know what? It is, I've, it sounds horrible, but it is actually quite nice to have time off from the road because God, we, we too, it's so hard. Like, I mean, We've done so many gigs. I'll see a photograph online and I, I won't have a clue where it is. I'm like, Yeah. You know? Um, you know, it's probably in the like thousands. You know what I mean? Thousands of shows. It's nuts how many shows we've done. I mean, our tour, we've lost like over a hundred shows since COVID's happened already. Oh my God. So you can God. imagine like how many gigs we've done. That's actually in the insane. Past. Exhausting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that to balance awesome. your family life as well, you know, we've got really understanding like wives and everyone's got understanding families that's like, really good you know where you can juggle the, the school drop offs and mm-hmm. all that stuff you know it's great
0: yeah that's really good I was going to ask about that kind of how you get that balance right between family time and touring and you know how, how that kind of works
1: yeah I mean you're sort of aware that we can't like I've got to let the band know if we're setting off at, before school drop off say if we're setting up at 6 in the morning for whatever reason say we've got to go to Cornwall then you know we've got to set off really early so i've got to let the band know at least four or five days in advance so that the everyone can prepare a way to drop off their kid you know what i mean so it's just and because we're all mums and dads we sort of all understand that yeah that, that you can't nice. just say oh by the way we're leaving tomorrow at six o'clock what yeah. you know what i mean <clears throat> so yeah. yeah it's just about being considerate as well
0: that's really good um my last question for you is just basically what does success mean to you and are there any big career or creative targets you'd like to hit with the band
1: um the first question really is um what is success i suppose it's when someone comes up and goes i've just discovered your music it's amazing Mm -hmm. that's the that's it in a shell really it's like great there's another fan there's one more person you know and then they go and tell their friend and then their friend tells their friend and then the next thing their their son and daughter are playing their music upstairs and they're like, How do you know about Smooth and Terrell? You know, and it's like that is success. That's that's the music speaking for itself. Um, and I suppose the next question to continue, that's it, just to keep doing it. That's enough. Um, we don't need to be the biggest band in the world. I think we've reached a point where we're like, we're really happy, we've definitely hit the glass ceiling in what I said earlier about the agencies and getting to the next level, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult. We're in that transition. And if we ever do get to the next level, you know, great. But if we don't, we're still content to be where we are, you know, which is, we're really privileged that we make money from royalties and we actually sell music. Whereas there is, going back to your, one of your original points was there's loads of grassroots and um, those bands it's those musicians who are really struggling now they don't get royalties that they're not on the radio um that's that's what's hitting the the hardest you know they i was watching some guy busk yesterday in, in in Newcastle and he didn't see me i just walked to the side he was playing the drums like a little drum kit he was really good and then one of the street guys the the i don't know what they're called the sort of security kind of like fake coppers, came over and started hassling him about the volume. And I was like, oh man, you know, just leave him alone. He's not making any money. He can't do any gigs. This is it. You know, he's going into lockdown. He needs this change on the floor to buy the food for the next month. Do you know? And it was like, that's when you realise, you know, like what w- what it's about. And like, like I guess that you've just got to all musicians will they won't just stop making music they'll get depressed sure enough but you know to to get through this it's music is your best friend
0: yeah definitely I think that's a really nice way to end it actually <laughs> music is your best friend oh well thank you so much for talking to me I've really enjoyed it
1: Great, thanks and very much. And
0: good luck with the next album, even. Yeah, we haven't even recording. got a title. We <laughs> haven't even got, got a name for it
1: yet. Yeah, it's it's just at the minute it's uh, album seven.
0: Nice. And Stratus Blues uh, remixes album is out now as well, right?
1: Yeah, that's just come out, um, and it's available on download.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening. Smooth and Terrell's split album is available at the likes of Spotify, Bandcamp and more. And they've finally begun the Stratosflur tour. Tickets are flying out already, so be quick. Full details can be found on their socials. Facebook.com forward slash Terrell See you next time.